just the right secret sauce, you know? Right? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Prevention Nation. Where we believe education and awareness can change the culture of violence. My name is Roy Lutz. And I'm Holly Smith. Everyone, it is June. Mm. Roy, I think most people in this day and age know what June usually commemorates. Yes, uh, June is Pride Month. Absolutely, yes. yes. And Pride, I realized, um, I didn't. I don't know how they do this in their their system behind the scenes. It's AI, but on Instagram, when you hashtag Pride or Pride Month, mm-hmm. it changes the letters to a rainbow. Did you? Know oh yeah, that? yeah. I thought that you like had to do something specific to do that, but I posted something yesterday and it was just rainbow, and I was like, "How do you do that? You're so smart." Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I thought that was cool. Yeah, and and I think. Uh... Doesn't Google, you said, have, like, do they have oh, a little icon up at the top? Yeah, they probably, a lot of times? I mean, they have something for every yeah. single day. Right. Um, anyway, so it's Pride Month, and we recognize that um, those who identify as LGBTQ um, have fought extremely hard oh, yeah. for civil rights, for just human dignity mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Um, this year, last year, years before, like... Um, but we were just kind of like thinking about how to kind of start this month off and uh, wanted to look back a little bit and see kind of where this this started, I guess, in America. I mean, each country has their own story. Yeah. Some countries. Actually, I read a statistic the other day that was like only 120-something countries uh, have decriminalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Many places it's still illegal, punishable by death. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's so crazy to think that we live where we live. Um, and that we have such freedoms. But anyway, you got to fight for some of those freedoms, too. Absolutely. Well, it's funny when you say where it began uh, and then you listed, you know, there, or I, I guess kind of talked a little bit about how different countries and different perspectives. And actually, the first movement here was kind of a cross collaboration between uh, United States and Germany. Uh, started with a Henry, uh, gentleman named Henry Gerber. And he was yeah, in the nineteen Gerber, right nineteen twenty four. I don't know if there's any uh, connection there, but um, yeah, in nineteen twenty four, he uh, identified as a gay man, mm-hmm. and he started a publication called Friendship and Freedom, and it was uh, he got two publications out before uh, officials found out he identified wow. as a gay man, and they raided his home, destroyed all of his printing press and all of his machines. Dang. He was arrested. And um, no copies of his first two articles remain in existence. Wow. So everything was destroyed of his. And um, but it was it was his attempt. He was a he was a German immigrant, mm-hmm. and it was uh, you know a lot about German immigrants around here. So yes, absolutely. Area. <laughs> anyway, we do. But it was really his uh, initial attempt to bring awareness to um, a gay population that you know, really struck uh, for a lot of different people in starting that movement and pushing that movement. And it wasn't until 40 plus years that that movement actually really carried over into yeah. what we now know as the Stonewall Riots um, or the Stonewall Inn, mm-hmm. uh, which is what kind of prompted Pride to exist. Um, and I think that was really interesting learning a little bit about Stonewall Inn uh, and how it functioned and um, served its patrons. Um, it started out uh, I it was find, a bar, right? Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, it was. It was a bar, a tavern in Greenwich um, Village. I know that lots yeah, of absolutely. things happen in Greenwich Village. It's, that's. <laughs> I feel like a lot of stuff starts yeah. there, right? Anyway, and uh, and what was so interesting is that it was actually, um, although it was the site uh, that caused the initial riots to happen uh, right. uh, for over the next couple of days, it was really not 
the start of it though the start of it the reason why people were even using the stonewall in is because from the constant police harassment um mm-hmm. for their sexuality and how they identified and it was the only the stonewall in stonewall in was the only safe place they could go to escape all that persecution and all yeah. that judgment and all that uh, backlash from law enforcement mm-hmm. so it was the only place they could go yeah and even at that point um you know there was uh, it was illegal for men to dance together so yeah. they couldn't even that's like that's like almost like a to us these days like that seems like a movie at least to me like in, right. in footloose you're not allowed to dance or whatever like mm-hmm. but that's crazy you couldn't dance with just whoever you wanted to right and we're not talking i mean this just doesn't feel like that long ago i know it was it was not that long ago yeah for us to outlaw behavior like that is just amazing yeah to me. like you cannot police who people dance with like, right that is right. just not okay i know i feel like if i saw that on a movie it would be like old timey like you know yeah just but like it's, i mean our country our is existence. still really young like mm-hmm. and i mean there's just lots of things um i saw I, I think it might have been instagram but it was just like kind of a photo series you know how like you can do like swipe and then read the story mm-hmm. or whatever but they were just mentioning um that uh it kind of not parallels but it's similar to what's happening now like uh these people were experiencing police um Mm -hmm. brutality like whether it was them policing who they dance with simple things like that or just like people thinking that what you're doing is illegal or who you love is illegal Mm -hmm. or a mental health issue whatever it was right Um, to legalize and criminalize that kind of (laughs) it's just yeah yeah but they're just comparing like don't forget that like back then it started with um people standing up to that police brutality fighting back and fighting back and now people are kind of doing that the same thing in 2020 2021 Mm -hmm. so i mean uh not not like endorsing anything like that but i mean people do have to stand up for change you have to stand up well at stonewall i mean i don't know uh, i don't know how much our listeners know but uh, at Stonewall that night, uh, when it was raided and the police were, you know, harassing and arresting all these people, mm-hmm. that um, there was a, a real correlation between the Stonewall Inn and its uh, its owners or proprietors, which were the mafia, um, who were able to provide a safe, protected place for LGBTQ people to go and gather. Well, that night at the riot, um, police officers and um, I think there was some news reporters who mm-hmm. were actually trapped in there by the mafia when the building was lit on fire in an attempt Yikes. to kill them. So, I mean, oh it was not a, and like you said, not to endorse or condone um, <clears throat> the acts of violence. But, I mean, it was it was a very scary situation. Yeah. It was I mean, very potentially very dangerous quickly. and very violent. Yeah. Yeah, that's just something. I mean, we don't get too many experiences like that in particular, but I mean, you do get little moments in your life where you mm-hmm. get to stand up for somebody that you know and say, "Hey, like we're not going to we're not going to police people like that. We don't I mean, yeah. we don't get to tell people who they can dance with, who they are allowed to love and like all that kind of stuff." Right? So. Right? Well, <clears throat> I, when I was when I was I must've been 15, my mom and I moved when out to... When the Stonewall to, riots happened. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, not when the Stonewall. A little bit well, later not that, that old. <laughs> Although not much later. We're talking 1986. Okay. Um, That's almost 20 years. Yeah, a little... Anyway. A uh, little about 20 years, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but my mom and I moved out to uh, San Francisco. Okay. And we lived out there. Lots and things happened there, too. Absolutely. And I remember my mom worked with a gentleman. His name was Madison. He was just the most fantastic guy. He came over. My mom got to be really good friends with him. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, he was a gay man, and he introduced me to my first play. He brought me to Neil Simon's Brighton Beach Memoirs, oh. and um, 
and he was just fantastic. And I hung around with him for a good year uh, where he was just a close friend of ours um, before he died of AIDS. But I remember... Yeah, 80s were... I mean, that was the big... Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I remember uh, one time he took my mom and I downtown San Francisco and he was telling me that he couldn't... At that time, he couldn't even legally hold hands with his boyfriend. And I remember as a 15-year-old kid, I saw this friend of ours... Madison, just the most wonderful, kind man, very cultured, very artsy, just a wonderful person. And I, I remember as a 15-year-old kid, I was so confused because I just didn't understand why he yeah, couldn't hold people, hands with somebody Yeah, you can just hold hands with somebody. Like, right. what's the big but deal? But that was illegal. It was yeah, illegal. that's crazy. Like, literally, there were laws, mm-hmm. you know? That's Absolutely. just, I mean, and it's just not that long ago. So, I mean, I, I love that we get to spend a whole month in, like, honoring commemorating like Mm -hmm. what happened in the past um not condoning violence at all but like just knowing that those types of things have moved us forward a a bit um with i mean with the legalities of things like people being able to marry whoever they want to um there's lots of legislation moving forward and backwards like constant tug Mm -hmm. and pull right yeah um well, it's a hopeful way for you, to, the way that you just said that. It's really hopeful because it's like people sometimes wonder even nowadays, how do we get through some of the challenges we get through? Well, they got through it in 1969. People yeah. got through the Stonewall riots. They got through the 70s and they got through a lot of that initial yeah. change. We're going to get through this too and hopefully right. we're going to come out on the other end yeah. better. And we get to stand on other people's shoulders. They paved the way for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can pave the way for something else to happen. It just keeps getting better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of backslides, but I mean... Trying to focus on those, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also uh, wanted to talk about the intersectionality of Pride Month and the work that we do here. Yeah. Um, so the CDC uh, usually has some sort of survey for in- intimate partner violence. Um, I would love to hear... <laughs> the new like de- you know how they do a census every year yeah i just want new updated st- statistics that is the hardest word for me to say that is a tough word sometimes <sighs> anyway yeah. um but from the last survey that the cdc put out um they had you know people identify uh their sexuality on the survey just so they could kind of track mm-hmm. like what's happening to certain groups of people um and uh the lgbtq plus community um experiences uh instances of rape, physical violence, stalking, or intimate partner violence at the same rate as heterosexual people do, um, if not more. Um, A lot of either bisexual or um, homosexual women and men are reporting like higher rates of um, just like sexual violence in general. I mean, there's a lot of categories under sexual violence. Um, But it's it's another community that we're not like seeing and hearing stories about um but it's absolutely happening too and when you think about the legalities of things like um it's hard for a heterosexual woman to prosecute if something happened to her or even a heterosexual man like how could this happen to him so think about um a homosexual couple male female whatever it is like um, some courts don't want to hear about it. Some courts. Well, might how be would you even hear about it in a court if it was illegal? You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, how did when it was illegal? How did somebody even press yeah. charges, domestic violence charges, when they weren't allowed to be married? They weren't allowed to be yeah cohabitating and in, in in a relationship. Right. It's just I mean you can't. 
Um, and then when you, I mean, when you're talking about intersection, intersectionalities, right? Another tough if, word for you to say today. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They're such big words. Intersectionality, yes. Um, anyway, uh, is if you think about someone who identifies as LGBTQ+, um, and then if they're a part of another marginalized community, that's just yeah. stacking right on top of some, a person of color or um, of a certain socioeconomic status. Like those types of things all stack up. And then you have just this whole weight on your shoulders Absolutely. of like you're at, more at risk for sexual violence or just, I mean, you know, adverse childhood experiences, all that kind of stuff. Um, things like that are way more likely for those things to happen to you if you're part of all these marginalized groups. Oh, so yeah. it's Well, just... and even gender. I mean, I think from a male perspective, uh, gender is had to, had to have been a, a big, powerful influence with that. I mean, when we look at, uh, when we think about Stonewall riots and we think about the history of LGBTQ and the illegality of it, and then you talk on top of that, the... Uh, some of the bias around um, uh, you know gay men mm-hmm. um we know at that time and you know through the 70s and 80s there was a lot of um heightened sexual activity through the media yeah. that was perfect you know um, and it's victim turns into about, victim blaming right it turns into victim blaming a lot of you know the bath houses that that whole all that language around what you know the male sexuality at that point. Yeah. Now, if you were victimized, when you kind of push that underground, that that sexual intimacy between uh, gay men, when you push that underground, what happens when somebody's violent? How do they report? Can they even report it? Right. They can't report it because nobody's supposed to know of this location where they're meeting mm-hmm. up with other men. You, I mean, right away, the, yeah, the culture of itself, of the secrecy of it. I think had to have uh, exacerbated the violence. Yeah, and I honestly, I mean, we have made. I mean, huge strides since 1969. Gosh, I hope so. I think we have. Um, Yeah, there's some evidence. Um, But it's still just like, I mean, the I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I know that there um, is a higher chance for a kid to be homeless if they identify as LGBTQ+. Why do you think that is? um, I mean, I, I, I know there are statistics and studies out there that have said, like, you're more at risk. But it's because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, some kids come out to their parents and they're out of there. Yep. You're just out on the street. Like, you're not our kid anymore. They get disowned, whatever Absolutely. it is. Um, or many, they just And then many perceive home. what's going to happen. Yeah, and just and run just away. And run mm-hmm. away. Yep. Yeah, so there's a high population so of So just all away. these things on top of each other. Um, and I just love that we get to, you know, sit here and, like, recognize that and, like, let other people know to recognize that um, – even if you're like, no matter what community you're a part of, like there are things that could put you at risk for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to be aware of that and to try to <laughs> help uh, prevent that from happening if you know someone who identifies yeah. this way or talk to them and be like, hey, is, you know, how are you doing with your boyfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> whatever they identify yeah. as? Like, exactly. what's going on? Like, don't exclude someone from possibly experiencing something like this just because they are a fill in the blank (laughs) right well because you never know where they're at i mean when you talk about compounding all of those intersections i mean we don't know where our friends are at sometimes with you know their uh their uh, emotional strength and well-being in Mm -hmm. coming out or sharing their story yeah um maybe or even if they have they haven't even come out yet and they're experiencing partner violence like yeah what do they do exactly so being aware, like you said, of all the different potential risk factors that they're already facing, that population is already facing in the intersections there, 
um, how much we can do better to support and yeah. understand. So. Try, try to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, some of these things, I mean, seem overwhelming at times, but I think that just even talking about them in 2021 and recognizing that they are happening, things did happen. We don't want them to happen again. And right. Moving forward with that, but you guys, we've talked for far too long. I guess I could probably right. talk all day about this, but yeah, I think we could. So. <laughs> um, catch you on the next podcast. Bye, guys.